1 John. We are in 1 John chapter 2, and we are going to be starting in verse 15. Okay, so the title of this sermon is Loving the Temporal Will Always... Well, maybe I added the always. Will end in heartbreak. Loving the temporal will end in heartbreak. And we're going to talk about what that means, and it's going to be clear through this scripture. We're only going to look at, here in First John this morning, three verses. Uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And, um, and so, before we get there, uh, just tell you a little bit about my week. So, we are enjoying living in a new part of the world for us, a new part of the state for us. And we've been here now for uh, eight months, and, but we're still exploring, still learning new things. Um, you know, there, there are times where we have gone off-road. Uh, for example, Matt and April's driveway. But also this week, we went up on uh, Poto Mountain Road. That was an experience. Right before we left, I told Rose, I was like, you know, maybe we should take the Jeep. Man, am I glad we made that choice. So we get up there, and it is beautiful. It is incredible. We all loved it. We were so glad that we were there. We literally did not see another vehicle from the time we turned off of 71 until the time we ended up, and I have no idea where we were. And it was almost two hours without seeing a vehicle. And it was just an incredible time. And, I didn't, you know, no cell phone signal, so I mean, it was just great. To get to be away. But I'll be honest, there were a few times where I got a little nervous because there was road and over here there was not. Not just not road, but nothing. nothing. It's just a big drop. And it, it would have been a good time for some guardrails. Now, I understand you don't want to mess up nature and put something like a guardrail in, but I do want to use this as an illustration this morning because I'm a preacher, so if I have a life experience, it has to go into my sermon, you know. What a guardrail exists for is, is for our protection. No one puts up a guardrail thinking, oh, I'm going to keep these people from having fun. No, they put up guardrails to think, I'm going to let these people have fun and not die, right? I'm going to put this guardrail up to protect you from going over the ledge. And this morning, in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, our first two words are, do not. And none of, us, none of us like rules. Well, some of us do, especially teachers, parents. <laughs> but we, none of us like to have rules placed on us, in, in a sense. But here, the very first thing we're going to read this morning is a rule. Do not. It's, it's going to tell us something not to do. But we have to realize that God's rules are a lot, a lot like guardrails. They're not there to prevent us from having fun or enjoying life. They're there to keep us safe so that we can have the most fun possible in the right way and enjoy life without worrying about hardships or or consequences, I should say. And so when we see this do not, let's just remember why God gives us rules. It's for our own good. In fact, if we were to rewind... To 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, we see that John says he is writing these things that our joy may be complete. I'm writing these things so that your joy may be complete. I think it's important for us to remember that God loves us deeply. 
And when he has given us commandments, when he has given us rules, it is for our good. It is to protect us and so that our joy may be complete. And so there's a lot of reasons why John wrote this letter. And we know that it's so that we can have uh, fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with each other. We can have our joy may be complete. We've, we've learned every week more and more reasons why John wrote this letter. And here this week, we're going to see some things that we should avoid doing in order that our joy may be complete so that we can have the right kind of fellowship with God and with others. Last week, we talked a lot about loving others. And we talked also talked about hating others and how we should avoid hating others and we should strive to love others. And, and that love that we should have for God and that love that we should have for others should not be surpassed by love for other things. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. So let's pray, and we'll get to our sermon. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that you would help us to approach this passage with open hearts, that we would trust you, that we would trust that what you say and what you have for us is what's best. And God, I just pray that... um, Lord, that you would just speak to us through your word and that it would uh, challenge us in a way that we have not been challenged recently. That it would change our lives, Lord. That when we walk out of here this morning, that something is different than when we came in. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Another thing about rules is who would we prefer give us rules? For them to give us rules. For me... I trust God, and I trust some of you in this room, but I trust God more. And so if someone is going to be the person who establishes rules, who, who decides what to do or what not to do, then we should trust God to be that person. Because we live in a world where whether it's rules that are written down or just rules of society, we all live by rules. I'll never forget a few years ago, I was watching this documentary um, on PBS, Frontline. It's called Generation Like, and you can, if, if you're interested in this, you can find it online. But it's called, it was called Generation Like, and it was about these children and how their morality is being shaped by social media, like Facebook, Twitter, things online. And for those of you who don't know how all that works... You write a status of how your life is going and you post it or you put a video on YouTube of something that you're doing in life or something that you've created. You put that video online and people reply, they respond, they share, they retweet, they do these things that uh, when you do this, it, it gives kids this sense of fulfillment, this sense of importance. And so, oh, someone liked what I wrote or someone shared it. So it validates to them that what they're saying is important. And I say kids, but let's be honest. There's a lot of adults like that also. And in, in this documentary, the, the terrifying thing is, is that a lot of the kids were developing their sense of morality by what was being liked or not liked. So even if something was improper, even if it was immoral, but it got them likes, they would do it. And they would think, well, it's getting me likes. People must like it, so it must be right. It must be good. They were equating their peers and and others' responses to being right 
even if it wasn't right. And so we all get a sense of right or wrong from somewhere. And what I want to challenge us this morning to do is, is to embrace what Scripture says, embrace God's Word, embrace what God says is right or wrong as truth, and, and not to allow this world to determine the way we see right or wrong. I hope that makes sense. So, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, a lot of times when we're looking at Scripture, we want to know what it says, but what, sometimes what helps us to know what it means and what it says is to know what other parts of Scripture says. So we know that this world is not bad in and of itself. We know that um, food or our bodies are not evil in and of themselves. And that's actually one of the things John is writing this letter to prove is that uh, the spiritual and the physical and all these things can be connected. And so when... John says, do not love the world or the things in the world, then we have to realize that he's not just talking about, um, we, he's not saying we should hate everything in this world. Because the truth is, is that there's a lot of good in this world. And everything that's good comes from God. And we need to understand that he's not telling us to despise our family. He's not telling us to despise our bank accounts. He's not telling us to despise the, the house that he has blessed us with or the food that he has put on our table. He is not saying those things. Remember, the, the Word of God says that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. And so what does he mean when he says, do not love the world or the things in the world? Well, to help us better understand this, we need to realize what he has been telling us already in this letter. He has been telling us that we should love God and that we should love others. And he's using this word that is the stem of his agape. And, and he's using this word that explains that we should have a love for God and our brothers like God has for us. But you know what we should not have a love for in that same way? Things of this world. In this world. We should not find our joy and our hope in things of this world. Because everything of the, in this world will pass away. It is temporary. We die. Things die. Things decay. That's just a part of life. And so while we should find joy in the blessings that God has given us. The source of our joy is God. And we enjoy him through things. And just through love and in a relationship with him. But the source of our joy is not our things. If the source of our joy is our things, if the source of our joy are things of this world, then what happens when the, thing, the source disappears? Our joy disappears. And so when he's saying, do not love the world or things in the world, he is saying that our intimacy... Our relationship that we have with God and with others, we should not have that same type of, of love and relationship with things, with temporary things, or even this earth itself. 
It's so, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now again, he's speaking in a general term, just like when he said earlier, if you hate your brother, the love of God does not dwell in you. Now he's saying that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This doesn't mean that if there's something in this world that you love, you're putting too much importance on, you're too attached to it, that that means you're lost. But what it does mean is, is that if you want to have the right kind of fellowship with God, if you want to have the right kind of relationship with Him, where you are His and He is yours and you are finding your joy in Him and you are living for Him and you are being the people that He has created you to be, if we are doing that, if we want to be that type of people, then we cannot love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, if, we, if I had a, a cup up here, a vase, I do have a cup, but if I had a, a, a big vase up here and I started putting rocks in it, once that vase is full, can I put more rocks in it? No, it's full. And if I have more rocks and I want to get them in there, then I'm going to have to take something out in order to get it in. And if we were to look at our lives like this container and only so much focus, only so much love can be given in this way, if we're filling our lives with things of the world, if we're finding all of our pleasure in temporary things, then we're not going to be able to be as devoted to God as we should be. Now, if we're devoted to God and our life is filled with love for Him and commitment to Him, then anything that the world brings us, we're going to respond to it in the right way. We can find joy or repulsion in the things from which we were supposed to find such things. And so here we see, do not, the verse starts with this commandment, do not love the world or the things in the world. And why is he telling us, us this? I believe it's because he desires for our joy to be complete. I believe he desires for us to have the best possible fellowship with God that we can have and with others. And he has been telling us how to love God and how to love others. And now he's telling us do not love. He's telling us how not to love. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We simply cannot be devoted to this world and to God. We cannot be devoted to the way this society, this culture, this world thinks, and the way that God thinks. And of course, I'm I'm using that term loosely, but God has revealed to us His desires. God has revealed to us what He wants and, and how He desires for us to live. He's revealed these things to us through His Word. We know what He wants. We know what He desires. And we cannot embrace all God is and all that he has told us to do and embrace this world and embrace what this world desires for us to do. They, they, they butt heads too much. They come against each other too much. There are too many times when living for God gets in the way of what this world wants you to do. And there are too many times when living for this world gets in the way of what God wants you to do. And so what we have to do is we have to have a right way of thinking about things. We have to make sure that our love is reserved for God and others. Now, does that mean that we can't enjoy things of this world? No. The Bible tells us how to enjoy them in the appropriate way. 
But just like with anything, there are boundaries to enjoyment. There are, are guidelines, guardrails, that God has put up in our lives, in Scripture, that if, if we will obey those guidelines, then we are going to have the best life we can have. We're going to have the best relationship with God, the best relationship with others that we can have. But what that means is, is that we might experience suffering. We might experience the world turning its back on us. We might experience all the things that this world says are not good about life. But if we're living for God and we have the best relationship with him that we can have and we have love for others, then even when those trials come, even when that chaos comes, we're going to have joy. We're going to have purpose in him. And so, verse 16. For all that is in the world, okay, so all being all these bad things that we're about to see. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, so these are these base desires that we feel, whether it's anger or greed or lust, we these things that are deep in us that if, if we're not living by the Spirit, we're going to, to feel these things. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, so things that we covet, the things that we see and we want them. Uh, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we see often that that our eyes are the gateways to our souls. And so if, if, the things of, if we see the things of God and that pleases us and delights us, then that tells us something about what's inside. But if we see things that we shouldn't desire and yet we desire them, then that tells us something about what's inside. And we have to be careful. We have to guard our eyes. We have to be careful with them because if, if we allow them to, to long after things that we shouldn't be paying attention to, we shouldn't be desiring in the first place, then it can lead to a lot of danger. And so look at what this says. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions. Now, is it wrong to be grateful for what you have? No. But it is wrong to find your purpose, to find your worth in the things that you have. It is wrong to think that you are better than someone else because of what you have. It is wrong for us to have pride of life. And so we have to be careful because we're commanded, do not love this world in the previous verse. And then in this verse, it's telling us how to avoid that, how to avoid loving the world. And we see the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. I really believe that if I were to sit down with each one of you one-on-one, and I were to ask you, do you love Jesus? Most of you in this room would answer yes. And I believe that most of you in this room would mean it from your heart. Of course we love Jesus. Of course we love him. He saved us. He's called us by name. 
we're His. He's forgiven us. He's given us purpose. He's given us a reason to live. Of course we love Him. But, if we were to sit down together, and we were to be honest about some of the things that are in our lives, some of the sins that are in our lives, some of the things that our culture says is wrong, but some of the things that our culture doesn't say is wrong, but God's Word says is wrong. If we were to sit down and we were to talk about the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and pride in possessions, if we were to sit down and talk about the fact that some of us find joy in things that we should not find joy in, probably most of us, then that would begin to explain why if we have love for God, which I think most of us do, then why is that love not manifesting itself, making itself apparent in every area of our life, throughout our whole lives? And I believe that the reason that is is because the love that we have for God is being choked out. It's being slowly forced out of this container that we were talking about earlier. It's being slowly forced out because we're forcing things in that container that don't need to be there. Whether it's lies or lust or pride, arrogance, hate for our brothers, which we've already read about. Whether it's a love for money. Whatever it is that we're forcing into that container, it is choking out our love for God. So, for some of us, we can put on a show around people. We, we can make it appear like all is good in the container inside of us. We can make it appear like we're not struggling with these desires of the flesh, these desires of the eyes, this pride of life. But for others of us, we've been struggling with these things for so long and we've been loving the things of this world and not God and our brothers for so long that we think we're fooling everyone, but we're not. So it's our job, if we truly love each other, it's our job to go to one another and to talk to one another about these things. In gentleness and love, you know, um, I was talking to someone this week about church discipline. And a lot of people think that uh, church discipline, you know, the purpose of it is to get on to someone who has messed up. But scripturally, that's not the purpose. Scripturally, the purpose is restoration. is for that person who's confronted to repent and to be brought back into a right relationship with God. And if that's our desires for all of us to live lives for Jesus as strong as we possibly can, then, of course, if we love God and we love others... When we see others fail or when they see us fail, then we're going to approach each other in love to get things right again. Because we are about loving God and loving others. And I know this is being repetitive to where we've already been and where we will go. But this is what we're seeing here. Is that a lot of times what happens is is that we embrace the wrong things. The command is do not love. 
right? If, if we were to go back to verse 15, it doesn't stop there with do not love. We're, we've been commanded to love already in this letter. The command is do not love the wrong thing, the wrong person. Do not love the world or the things of this world. We are to love God. We are to love our brothers. We are to love the right things. We're not to love the wrong things. And let me tell you, I can't even begin to think like God thinks, but I know what he's told us in his word. And I know that if we find our value and our worth and our joy and our hope in things of this world, if that's where our love is, things of this world will always fail us. They will always pass away. They will always leave us empty and longing. Money. I don't know about you guys, but I tend to run out of it sometimes. Right? And then you have people who never run out of it because they're so wealthy, but you ask them if they have enough, and what's the answer? A lot of times it's no. If they have a love for money, if they're putting their love in the wrong place, no amount of money can fulfill them. And so God knows that if we place our hope and our joy in a relationship with him first and then with others, that God will never fail us. Living life God's way will never fail us. Now, there are times when it doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair, but we have to trust him. We have to have faith. We have to press on because we... We're putting our love and our trust and our faith in Him. Do not love the world. Do not love all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Verse 17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so the things that we do for God, when we live for Him, Those things have an eternal impact. An eternal impact for good, by the way. Some of the things that we do when we live for the world have an eternal impact also. But not for the way that we desire it to. We do not live in a bubble separated from other people. Our choices have consequences. Good and bad. When we live our life in love with God and in love with others, it impacts the world around us for the better. When we live our life in love with the world and we value things of the world more than we value God or people, that makes a difference, not in a good way. It makes an impact. And so we have to strive as followers of Jesus, as children of God, as... um, as John calls us, little children. We have to strive to live for God with everything that is in us. And we have to learn to not despise His rules because His rules are for our good. His rules are for our to lead us to joy so that our joy may be complete. And His, his rules lead to eternal life. If we embrace Jesus through faith, By his grace, he will save us. And if we are saved, then we should live lives for him in obedience. And if there is no obedience, then we have to ask ourselves, do we have a relationship with him? And so, 
quickly recapping these three verses. I'm just going to read all three verses together. Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So in closing, do not let the world, and remember, from the very beginning of this sermon, when I said the world, we're not just looking at the general world, okay? We're looking at the, the bad effects of the world. We're looking at sin. We're looking at corruption. We're looking at that when it says world. It's talking about the bad of this world. And if, if we make the good of this world our God and put a value on it over what we should value God and others, then even that is corrupted. And so we have to realize that what this world wants for us is to get everything it can out of us, is to take as much as it can for its benefit. But what our God has given us is himself. He has sacrificed himself for us. He has proven his love for us, not by taking every little thing from us, but by giving us everything we could ever desire in him. And he knows that those things are going to lead to eternal life. And he knows that in eternal life, our joy will be complete. And so, my question to you this morning is this. I've been standing up here preaching, saying these words. Maybe some of you couldn't even pay attention to them. Because as soon as I started talking about do not love the world you immediately started thinking about ways that you love the world. Or maybe your heart is breaking for a loved one this morning who has neglected loving God and loving others but has embraced this world. Or maybe you're thinking about the documentary I talked about where so many of our young people are finding their worth, their value, and even their moral compass from whether someone likes a post or comments in a positive way about it or whatever the case might be. Only God knows how he has used this message in some of your hearts. And so my challenge to you this morning is whatever has stood out, whatever has God has used to penetrate your heart, focus on that for a moment. We're about to walk out these doors and the concerns and worries of the world are going to be right back on us. And so let's determine before we even walk out of here that we're not going to find our infatuation and our, our longing for joy from things of this world. We're going to find it in God. Let's determine before we walk out of here this morning that we are going to tell our children and our grandchildren how much we love them and how valuable they are because of who they are in Christ, who they are as God's creation, 
not because of feedback on the internet. Let's determine that we ourselves are going to live lives that are incredible models for, for others because we are going to choose to love God and love others but not love this world or the things of the world. Let's determine this morning that we are not going to let our flesh rule our lives. Let's determine this morning that our eyes and the things that we are tempted by, that we see, we are not going to give in to those temptations. That we are going to live for God. Let's determine this morning that the possessions of this world, that we're not going to find our pride in them. We're going to find our pride in God. We're going to find our hope in Him. Let's determine this morning that we're going to live for Him. And that we're going to do what 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17 through 17 tells us to do. Or to not do. Let's pray.